Hello, and welcome to The Game Agenda, a podcast where four gay guys bring board games out of the closet and onto the table. I'm Larry. I'm Nick. I'm Matt. And I'm Kevin. And today, we're going to be discussing Spirit Island, a fantastic co-op game that... uh, Finally! (laughs) Checks a box for Kevin here. Just a little box. Uh, Then afterwards, we're going to be spilling some tea and talking about some of the latest gossip in the board gaming world. And finally, for all you dedicated listeners out there, we're going to have a giveaway, uh, details of which will be coming out at the end of this episode. So stay tuned. And, am, and I, am I eligible? You're who we're giving away, Kevin. Oh, well, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I should have checked that beforehand. <laughs> uh, but before we get to all that, let's do what we always do and talk about what we've been playing this past week. Uh, Matt, how about we start with you? Uh, so I got to play this really cool worker placement game called Steam Time, uh, which I had never heard of, but my friend Alex, who always has the most obscure games, I went and did a gaming day at his house, uh, and he pulled out this game, and it was just, it was a really fun worker placement. So the main concept behind it is that you're traveling back in time in like your steam airship time machines so it's all steampunky it's steampunk yeah it's steampunk themed time machine time travel worker placement so uh (laughs) you go back in time and there's like six different locations you can go to in time but they're all arranged in what's called like the time stream uh don't cross the streams exactly you can't cross the streams in this game so when you go to a location you'll do an action there there's a bunch of different places to place your workers on each time stream um but once you go somewhere then your next worker has to be later in time so you can't go back in time basically Mm -hmm. once you go back at the beginning and then you can only go forward so it's basically you're choosing you know do i want to go up to that action now to get it first but if i do that i'm skipping all these other actions and now i can only go from this smaller set of choices so So it's it's very tokaido ish yeah it's got some tokaido feel to it uh what i really like about it is um you're accumulating these like time crystals and things that power up your time machine so they give you different bonuses whenever you do different actions but then you're also spending those crystals on getting upgrades and on going on adventures and things like that and so you're sort of managing like oh when do i want to get these crystals that give me bonuses so i want to have as many crystals as possible but because so i can keep getting bonuses for every action i take but then also i want to spend them to get points and get upgrades for my time machine and so it's got this interesting so like push and pull on it which i really like now this has nothing to do with that steampunk amusement park board game right with the trash steam park steam park no okay just making sure it wasn't like a theme thing or so I, I no cute. robot poop in this game that's right I am curious, are the are the crystals worth points too? Uh the crystals so um part of it is you can go you can get like missions from the time something. I don't I don't really remember. You can get missions which basically give you ways to score points at the end. And so the different missions are different things. So you might have a mission that makes your crystals worth points, oh. or certain colors of crystals are worth points or combinations. Uh but you can also get that for adventures or for upgrades or for money. So there's a lot of different ways to score. The burning question I think on everybody's mind though is is where in time is Carmen San Diego? I can't. I can't believe you just did that. What? That you is like me? that. That reference is actually retro <laughs> now, by the way. And I most people, did you recognize that one, Matt? I recognize that's that. That's where Matt got. 
It's because there was this a game on show. The very, it's on the very Wait, edge. Did you recognize cusp. that comment, or did you think it should be where in time is Carmen Sandiego? The later series. That's what I said. Oh, well, you said time? Yeah, oh, I said time. World. We're talking about time. So he probably doesn't know world. Oh, then. I actually didn't know time. I knew world. See? Yeah. So he knew worlds. <laughs> world he is the better got one. got the reference. Yes. But time was, was the actual series that I was referring to. Which I refused to. to watch that version. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's go to you, Kevin. What have you been playing then? Since you refused to talk about Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> well, we all got to play Panic Room. Was that it? Was that Story of my life. Yeah, exactly. Um, is Panic, that what it's Panic called? Station. Panic Station. There Panic you go. Station. Yeah, yeah, Panic Room is that, that Jodie Foster movie. Um, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which maybe that's what this was based off of. I don't know. It felt it felt like I was trapped for about a couple hours. So this is one of those games that's very similar to that mechanic of. It's basically an infection game. You know, you're you're in one location area. Uh, somebody will get infected as kind of the villain and then their job is to infect all the other players if they can do that before the end of the game you know they win if you know somebody survives then the the healthy people uh, kind of win but this one's set up where you're making the, the station rooms as you go along through cards as you flip over you're exploring rooms so there's a little bit I think it's from the guys who did Dead of Winter or one of them because I said I thought there was something really similar to Dead of Winter of it and I think one of the guys might have done something with Dead of Winter I don't know I don't recall maybe I made that part up in my mind it made sense because there was things like you have a, you know the ability to explore a room to move to another thing you can activate something so it has that kind of you know basic board game moving mechanic um, mixed in with the fact that as you explore you have the danger of maybe getting infected and then if you are you can trade you have to trade that's the fun part when you go into a room with somebody else you must trade with them and if you are infected you are obviously inf- trying to infect the other person that other person has like one way to not be infected which mm-hmm. is like throw a gas can on them or so but uh it's it's kind of fun in that kind of horror movie-ish way this game reminds me of a horrible like teaching moment that my high school um biology professor had where <laughs> what was your biology <laughs> class like so, so for real so uh everybody we came into class and everybody had a vial with a clear liquid sitting on their desk oh god and we had to pick five people to no. kind of swap oh, fluids with this. and then at the end he would put a drop in everybody's vial and you would see whether or not you got an std or not yes and, oh and, i didn't have this class and that's what this game reminds me of <laughs> Because it's got the nasty pictures. I never thought oh, really? <laughs> we, we had, we I played so, this game. No, so then the question is, did either of you get the STD? Everyone did. I, I, oh, is that so, what the point is? Everybody is that my class, everyone trick? did. That, yeah. Or pretty much everybody did, which was the point. Oh, wow. That's yeah. harsh, man. So, anyway. Well, so this one actually ended in a good way where not everybody uh, was ill at the end. So we made in it fact, through. Only, in fact, the person who was infected never infected anybody else. Wrong. That's incorrect. Really? At the end. I was oh, in- oh, infected. At it the was end. a pity infection. So at the did very you lose that? No. Did I lose? Yeah. No, yeah. I was still a good guy. No, you lose. <laughs> so Larry and Nick did not make <laughs> it through, but everybody else at the Kevin table made and I it through. were victorious. Um, along with a couple others. It was actually yeah. really funny because part of it. Part of it is there's these security doors that you can only get through if you have a key card. And so Kevin and I both had the key cards. And so we were just like deadly afraid of everyone, hiding behind our security doors, trying to stay non-infected, thinking that everybody was infected. And then Larry would go to the computer and check who was infected. And then every time it was just like, oh, only one person's infected. And we're like, oh, wait, really? Oh, my God. And then we felt a little better about it, but I still hid a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. But then that part where I thought you got infected, Matt, and then I was like, oh, no, he has a key card. He can come in here and get me. Everyone thought I was infected. <laughs> what it's does just that say about you? Were you were just like sharing rooms with everybody, like nonstop. No, I wasn't. You, is this a metaphor? 
forest sharing. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I, I played this game once before and oh. didn't particularly care for it. I thought it was ugh. Last time I played it, it was like everybody got infected right away. There were parasites everywhere. We all died. Uh, it was just... And I couldn't figure out what the heck we were supposed to do. This time I realized that there's actually... I think the design of the game is really interesting. There's sort of like a mind game going on that I didn't really think about until the second playthrough where basically if you're human, right? When somebody moves into your space and you trade with them, if you're human, you can trade whatever you want with them. Or sorry, if, if they... If you think they're human, it doesn't matter what you trade. But if you think they might be infected, you have to consider like, do I trade them a gas can or not? Which might be your only gas can that you have the entire game. Typically you only have one because you start with one gas can and so the, the way it works is if they try to infect you and you had traded them a gas can then you're safe but it gets really scary because they knowing that you have that they might come and not infect you and you give them their gas can and then they come in again later and then they infect you and now you have no gas can to give them so Hmm. who would have done that nick Hmm. <laughs> so I really liked that mind game of like, oh, when do I give them my gas can? Especially because the way that the humans win is the humans have to get one human has to have three gas cans and then use them to burn down the alien egg. Which like felt five. like impossible. I never had more than one and half the game I didn't have any gas cans when I, I was hiding. I had two. I had like five. Oh, yeah, of course you did. <laughs> of, course. of course. I gotta say, fun party game. Yeah. It's good. It was good if you get the right amount of people, and it was mm-hmm. during a big board game party time, so I like that. Be clear on the rules, though. <laughs> yes, we should be clear. We should be clear <laughs> on the a rules. Bit of, well, it's kind of confusing because everybody starts with blood cards, yeah, which is like your blood, but only the infected can trade away their blood, and then if you get blood, you can only trade away your own blood, and it's like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah. It's a little bit complicated, but... You know what's not complicated? Number nine. It's just a simple, well, basic, basic number. It's round. It's also a really basic and simple game. And that's what I happened to play this weekend, or this past week, um, which was really, really cool. It's a neat stacking game. Everybody like has um, two different shapes of each number, one through nine. And you flip over cards out of a pile. And based on what number is shown, you have to play that tile onto your tableau. And you're trying to get your stack as high as possible but the trick is is that each stack, as it goes up a level, has to overlap at least two different numbers, and it can't cover up any holes or gaps. So it's, it's this really um, spatial kind of placement game to try and, and build a, a nice tableau. It was fun. I enjoyed it. The numbers are all these crazy Tetris shapes, like, oh. a, like we, really weird, non-symmetrical like, Tetris shapes. So and it's a ton really, of holes in all of the numbers. And there's like gaps and things. So it's actually really hard to put your board together in a way where stuff like because you're basically trying to make like a flat lower level so you can stack things higher and higher. Uh, but it gets really really difficult and, to try and the, to do that. The initial layer gets you no points. Yes. So the more time you waste making a nice foundation, mm-hmm. the more you're getting nothing. <laughs> and so then it's like the second layer gives you the number of points equal to the number so you want your nines like on the higher levels and your zeros and ones and twos on the lower levels but you're dependent upon the order in which the cards come out so the first two draws could be eights so you have to put them on the first level and it is what it is what was interesting is when we started playing we had we the first like two or three turns we all did literally exactly the same thing because you're all you're placing the same numbers at a time uh and at first i was like oh this is weird we're just like all doing the same stuff but then as the game goes on, you start to make different decisions about how to build your uh, build your pyramid, and then it, it got pretty interesting trying to puzzle it out. 
Yeah, I gotta say, overall, and it was one of those ones immediately when we were done with the first game, I think we all said, let's let's try this again. It was one of those ones we wanted to like, yeah, do it right it away. twice in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Nick? What have you been playing? So, uh, I did play a different game for once. Uh, Wait, no, before you start, you also did play, though, Terraforming Mars and Magic. Oh, I did Mars play Terraforming Mars and Magic. Okay, that's, just make sure you got those in. So, I, I, I played Terraforming Mars. It's this very fun game. And then I played a bunch of games of Magic, because that's, that's what I do every day. Um, and, but I also played a game that uh, Matt talked about a couple weeks ago called uh, Grimm. Um, where you're the three, Grim Forest. Yeah, it's like celebrating the anniversary of the Three Little Pigs or something like that. Um, <laughs> I won, which I was happy about, but uh, I was not as I was not as thrilled as, about it as you were, Matt. Like that game, those cards are mean in that game. Like I got somebody, I had to like kind of telegraph where I was going with a card. You mean the monster cards? Yeah, and then someone played cards. a giant on me, and it was like my entire life got eaten. Like I lost everything. Oh, so it's really <laughs> mean. It's very that sounds tank. great. It's it was very, very mean. I mean, I guess that's in keeping with the grim fairy tales. No, They're all really dark and mean. <laughs> very, very true. They, uh, they, it is a very dark. Uh... Well, and and to be fair, the person who taught us the game taught us it wrong, and so that, that was also true. He, you didn't play with stacking up. Nope. Yeah, that's it. Was it, resources if they're not the, the there's four locations and whichever locations people don't go to, the resources add up and stack on and them. And he did not play it that way, and so it was a very long and tedious game. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> not a long, like a German fairy tale. How long could did be? it take you? <laughs> Ooh, like an hour or so. Yeah, wait, it's, it's much longer like than it a, should. It's normally like a thirty or forty-five right. minute game, and I think that's also why it felt so much more punishing because mm. it was longer. So we got through a lot more of the mm-hmm. cards, <laughs> and then everybody was just like beating up on each other, causing everybody to lose resources Ooh. when you could only get like mm-hmm. three at a time. Anyway, so it was just it was painful. That sounds thrilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a, we well, had a very if you play it game. the right way, I think it's delightful. Well, maybe I'll have to give it a try playing the right way from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, and the but... thing is, because it's supposed to be sort of like a lighter game, granted, if you don't like take that, take that, you might not enjoy it in general. But I actually, did, in my games, I didn't have a lot of take that. There was like a little bit of like, oh, the wolf came and destroyed all your wood. You didn't get any wood this time. Dang. Uh, did, but... you, did you see the giant? It's like, destroy part of your house and lose all your resources. Oh! And, like, it's like, discard your everything. And discard oh your friend. And, like, so I lost, like, actually everything. I got set back a full step and lost all my resources and my friend that was... Helping. Yeah, that does not sound fun. No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> but I won, so I can't complain. I know, but yeah, I, long story short, you won. <laughs> yes. So, really, the giant is pretty balanced, then. <laughs> no, 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 no. Everybody who was playing with him was just really, really awful. I can attest to that because <laughs> I was playing with him. I was really, really awful. It was just... No. Oh, Good God. on you. Good on you admitting that. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, well, that, I think, brings this topic to a close. Let's, let's, Please. Yeah. <laughs> the giant has squished this yes. topic. <laughs> let's move on now to our main agenda item. Yeah, um, the main agenda. Yeah, we, again, theme Sorry. song. We yeah, need one. I know. That was my lame attempt at the main event. The Wonder but... Woman theme, isn't it? Yeah, you do, were going into the Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman theme. Wonder Woman has a game show sounding theme? Oh my god. First off, Sounds like a game show. Woman, it's the 70s. Yeah, it sounded like Mario to me. These kids. I don't know. I'm done with it. No, no. That's why you're giving me away at the end of the show. It's not da 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 It's do 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 Wonder Woman. Okay, anyway. Wow, that is literally just like one note away from huh. a Mario theme. Yeah, well, you know what? Wonder Woman did it first. So <laughs> I'm so Mario offended right now. stole from Wonder Woman, which we will talk about. We are no, breaking this story it's out. It's, you know, this is the difference. One is do-do-do-do-do, and the other is da 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 
So it's do versus Dan. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Welcome to our theme music podcast <laughs> where we discuss the various differences between we theme music. Could. <laughs> Spirit Island, Ooh. a cooperative settler destruction strategy game <laughs> by Greater Than Games, designed by uh, R. Eric. I think it's pronounced Roos? Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Uh, in this, one of those, maybe. One of those. It's one of those sounds that it's a ruse. when all those letters get put together. Um, in this game, you play as kind of a, um, a, a spirit uh, on an island, protecting the island from invaders. It's a cooperative game. Everybody plays with a different spirit that has different abilities, and uh, you're trying to protect the island from these kind of pre-programmed invaders that come out. On, so Colonizers. Un- colonizers, Exactly. On each turn, the colonizers are going to explore, so they're going to expand on the map. They're going to build, which is going to increase the number of colonizers on the map, and they're going to ravage. They're going to basically destroy parts of the island and destroy the native Dahan, which are the the natives on the island. And our job as the spirits are to play cards, collect mana, to fend off these invaders, and hopefully uh, protect the island from destruction. Now, there are several different ways that you can win. You can either go completely through this thing called the fear deck, which is a deck of cards that you cycle through as you destroy these invaders and cause them to be afraid of the island. Or you can win by meeting certain uh, victory conditions based upon the number of tokens on the map. So, for example, if you destroy every invader token on the map, you have won because you have purged the island from the invaders. Like most co-op games, there's a lot of different ways you can lose as well. You can lose if you lose all presence on the island or if you run out of time and the, the um, invaders kind of spread everywhere. In addition, you can lose if the island becomes too blighted because the invaders are going to kind of damage the island and, and put blight down. So uh, with, with that kind of high-level overview, I, I didn't get into a lot of the mechanics, but certainly kind of talked about, I think, some of the key points. What did everybody kind of think of this game? What's, what's your kind of initial... Um, reaction or, or or feel of the game. I remember um, when we started, Matt, you have said in the past you don't love cooperative games mm-hmm. because you always feel like you're, at least for you, you know, you want to say, well, if we just follow this one thing right. and we all just do this thing, we'll, we'll be okay. And so it doesn't feel like the everybody's doing their own problem. thing. It's a little bit one direction. Um, not the band, but, you know, the, the way of style of playing. I was worried when we wanted to play this that you would feel the same thing. But I think, what, five minutes in? We were picking characters, I think. And then I was like, I don't know. This is going to be way more unique than, than any kind of game, other cooperative game Can I've seen. Can we just talk about what, lo- what I love about this game? is the co- I just love the concept. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's so amazing. It's just like, it's it's like colonial times. And there's there's tons of board games about, like, colonizing new lands and things like that. So I love that this reverses it mm-hmm. and you have basically the colonizers coming onto this island and we are the spirits basically trying to fend them off and crush them and it's such to a protect f- the native people it's, it's such like a fun the spirits are all fun i mean it's not i mean they're not fun because they're really you know violent and vicious and whatever but it's still done kind of in a fun whimsical way mm-hmm. there's personality there's so much That's personality right. this game has yes. so much personality i think so yeah like all of the spirits are so cool and unique and it, they feel like whatever spirit they are which is awesome and i do really enjoy that it's not just colonizers in the expansion, which I which I played with, they are literally the British, the Prussians, the yes. uh, the Portuguese. Like, Do they have the Americans? They are the face of no. It's oh. it's um, it's the British, <laughs> the French, the, um, the Prussians, the Prussians, and 
Uh, I forget who the fourth one. There's a fourth one that comes with it. Yeah, it has to be Spain or Portugal. Yeah, something like that. Right. (laughs) By process of elimination. But, you know, I I think your point, both of these things speak to the level of replayability in this game. Mm -hmm. This game has a whole host of spirits that you can kind of play. Everybody has their own. There's like over 10 of them, right? There's like 10, 15 of them. Well, and then plus the expansion. Adds four more. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a ton of spirits. And and each spirit has its own unique style of play, unique way of playing. Mm -hmm. When you add in the different types of invaders, that changes the way the game gets played because they all have their own kind of unique rule breaking. And then on top of that, there's huge decks of power cards that you cycle through that you can collect over the course of the game that affect the way the game is played. And yeah, and each um, spirit starts with a unique set of three or four cards, right? Yes. That are their own. The spirits are like totally asymmetrical. Like yeah. this is not this is not a game where it's like, oh, my spirit gets like plus one of this element or something. This is a game where like. A, you're, yeah, you have four cards that are totally unique and different, and then each spirit has their, their player board, right? Which they have their abilities on them, which are all different, but then they also have presence. A big part of the game is you're putting down these little markers on the, on the map in different places, which is sort of like your spirit's presence. Um, and when you take your presence off of your board to place it on the map, it uncovers extra energy that you gain to play your cards, or it allows you to play more cards per turn, or it uncovers different symbols of elemental symbols, and Every single one is different, and it's mm-hmm. like totally asymmetrical, which is really fun. So here's the brilliance, I think, you know, because it sounds like that's a lot. You're you're building your own deck. You have your own powers that are unique. You have to know where you're putting your presence. They were so smart that the back of each spirit kind of has a cheat sheet so that you can, if you've not played this mm-hmm. even before, it tells you difficulty level on how hard that spirit will be to play it also shows what their strengths are so that if you're playing with a bunch of people and you want to have a balanced group you don't have to like do all this research beforehand you just turn over the backs of these spirits and it's all set up there for you which i thought was brilliant for something that's as complex as it can Mm -hmm. get they really start you off on the right foot Mm -hmm. yeah this game can be a bit fiddly and i think nick you felt it was a little bit fiddly in some ways but i i feel that the the um, way in which you can adjust the the levels of the game or choose more basic characters does help to mitigate that to some extent. I think it does a good job of that. I mean, what was your experience? Yeah, I mean, there was, there's a lot of different actions that are getting taken all the time and things moving, different, like putting on tiles, taking off tiles constantly, and that can be a bit much. But the game really does try and minimize how much of that you're doing. It spells out everything very clearly, which is something I like. Um, and everything also makes a little bit of like an intuitive sense in what it's doing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing where the mechanic doesn't line up with what they're calling it or what, you know, the ocean person does oceany things, the fire person does fiery things, like that sort of idea. And that really helps also, which is, and like theme isn't something I ever really care about, but I do like when it helps communicate what the heck is going on, you know? Can we just talk? I just ha- I have to talk about the ocean spirit because I had such okay. a connection you, with the ocean spirit. Yes, you were like the ocean god. <laughs> That's I who it. I played the first time was the the ocean. It's called like the ocean deep drown. I don't know what it's called. Some some really cool. They all have really like interesting cool names too. It's not just like the ocean spirit. Yeah, it's not spirit. just like, yeah, exactly. it's, it's something Shadows like flicker like flame. Super, yeah. The, like the rampant green or something like or yeah, something was the, it, was the one I played. It's something so cool and fun which is just like all right, we're just stalling while Larry tries to find it. I can't find it right now. There's the, yeah, there's <laughs> the, the river one. Look, but... it's probably over here. Nick stole it. Yep, Nick stole it. I did. Ocean's Hungry Grasp. Yes, the Ocean's Hungry Grasp. 
So um, this character, their big thing. So normally there are oceans on the edge of the island. Normally they're sort of out of play. They're just used there to mark what the coast is and but, where the invaders arrive and where the from. invaders arrive from. Yeah, but when you play as the ocean, now the ocean spaces are actually spaces, um, and you can push different powers in the game let you push and pull um, invaders and the big thing with the ocean is when you push things into the ocean they drown and you gain extra energy so it sort of powers you up and then the other thing that just felt super cool to me was at the beginning of each turn you choose a way for your spirit to grow which is sort of how you gain your presence or gain new power cards and the ocean's options one of their options is they gather presence from the coastline into the ocean and then the other option is they push their presence from the ocean back into the coastline. So they're literally like the tide, like pulling their presence in and pushing it back out. And just all the spirits are created with such mm-hmm. like thought that went into building their powers to yes. feel like that spirit. I, I played one that was called the Keeper of the Forbidden Wilds. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing was he slowly put markers out on the map that kept both the natives as well as the invaders from coming into the space. Mm-hmm. And so it ended up creating this kind of forbidden zone that you were kind of protecting keeping like the people sacred out. Forest. The sacred forest yeah. that was slowly expanding to kind of protect the island, which was really cool. It was a neat kind of a neat concept and a neat feel to the, to the play. Yeah, I gotta say, theme on this really strong and that uniqueness really pushes through in everything mm-hmm. you do. From the initial concept of like flipping the story on its, on its side to these individual feelings. Like everybody who got to play I think mm-hmm. felt like they were somebody different. Mm-hmm. And that helped in that kind of collaboration, the kind of group play where you felt like only I can do this thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think to combat the alpha gamer part that you were concerned about, Matt, yes. because there is a level of complexity that the people just, the, the characters don't do the same things. They just don't. Mm-hmm. There isn't an ability for me to look at my cards and kind of dictate what you should do because I can't see your cards. I don't know what you have in your hand. And on, on top of that, the way the board is set up, we're each kind of in charge, or at least begin in charge of a particular area of the island. Mm-hmm. So it becomes very much about you're focusing on this area until you slowly expand into the other parts of the island. So to some extent, there isn't... Yeah, you can't do anything you can't do in anything. another part of the island. You, you need to depend on your teammates. Yes. It's really interesting. Well, and not just, for, not just because of the geography of the board, but also just the, the different spirits also have their own strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. My character when I played was called Shadows, Flicker, and Flame, and I could deal with individual explorers really well, but I had a tough time with like towns and cities. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. Ocean go- the ocean spirit is very limited by things that aren't on the ocean. You can't do anything yep. if they moved inland. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry's character, uh, the, who defends defends the forest, very slow. Like a forest takes a long time to grow. Um, so you, it forced us constantly to be talking about like, okay, I can like shove these things over to Matt so he can set them on fire mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. What's well, What's cool is that you're cooperating. You have to work together and plan things out. But like Larry said, your powers are so different. There's no way. Well, and a. A, your powers are totally different, and B, everybody's sort of choosing what to do at the same time. That, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is like that's so important to this too. Is you don't have time to play for somebody else because you've got to prepare your mm-hmm. turn. You have cards to look at. You have your own powers to do. And there's three kind of phases to the the round. There's the fast powers. Mm-hmm. Then the colonists do all their crazy stuff like building and ravaging and all that. And then your slow powers take effect. So it's hard to pay attention to like 
what somebody else is about to do other mm -hmm, than mm -hmm. communicating before everybody starts their first, you know, kind of phase. Well, or if something's getting out of hand, like right. if one oh spot God, has yeah. like nine things on it, you're like, okay, guys, we gotta, we gotta do something about that one. Like that's going to become a huge problem very soon. Would you guys have believed that this game, um, was a Kickstarter? Yes. No. Why? Um, primarily because of the visual presentation, which I thought, why I thought the the art for the uh, different spirits I really like, but I think the graphic design in particular is um, sort of a Need lower lower quality. Um, the logo on the box in particular, uh, I like the box art. But the logo is just is kind of amateurish looking. Uh, but well, it's a little hard to read from a logo yeah. point of view. I like the idea of what they were trying for, but they have to be mindful. And and the artwork on the cover is so impactful. Yes, but that draws your attention more than the name, mm -hmm. which is a problem. Artwork as a whole throughout the game is very impactful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, think I like that, it. I agree with you. I think the graphic design needs some work, but I don't think that really interferes with the playability of the game. No. I, I, think I think that's how strong the game is yeah. that it didn't matter. It just doesn't look it doesn't look like polished like a more professional game would I mean, look. Take Terraforming but... Mars though, for example. <laughs> I mean the art is bad and the graphic yeah. design is bad, but it's a great oh, I'll game. I'll say the same thing about Terraforming Mars. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I think that's comparable. I think that's comparable in the fact that you don't mind it as much. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't I mind say. I don't mind it at all in the slightest, but mm -hmm. what about the other components? The neat, for me, I really like the fact that the invaders all have actual like pieces yeah. as opposed to kind Blocks. of wooden chits or tokens yeah. you know they're houses plastic houses there's plastic cities they're plastic invaders they're a little flimsy the invaders but well they're... they almost remind me too of like risk figures or yeah. access and allies yeah. yes which adds to that whole like invader yes. feel which i love I, I they feel evil so they're plastic and you have these like cardboard and wooden things that you're working on which feel very earthy and then they're mm -hmm. like the evil plastic that's not gonna like go I away i never even thought about that but that is so true because the, the pieces the pieces of the invaders feel like pieces from a war game yep and so yep. then when you're thrashing them it feels like so right that you're you know. it also creates though a very visual visually striking presence on the table i think mm. when we played it we played it once at um uh the uh game meetup uh, that monica did we talked with her uh, mm -hmm. previously yep and people would come by while we were playing it and be like what is this game it looks pretty like what are you doing what is you know kind of what's going yeah. on it caught people's attention because um, there's a map aspect to it, and you see a lot. Because the colonizers come in force big time, it's always a very full map. And mm -hmm, I think that mm -hmm. adds to people being like, what's going on? And, and there is this kind of feeling of pressure of like, oh my god, we're being overwhelmed. Oh yeah. But that's the game. That's the fun of it is like you feel like everything is important because mm -hmm. of that. Every move you make could be the wrong move. And it is not an easy game. Like it, 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 well, it can it can be if you know what you're doing. Our game, our game was easy. Um, uh, we got well. We've played several times now. The most recent time we played with Nick, and it ended up being pretty easy. I think just because we have so much experience now. Mm -hmm. But the game plays with like ten different power levels. So mm -hmm. you know, we've always played at the most basic of levels. You never upped it yet. You guys we, know this well enough well, now. We you added, should be upping it. <laughs> we added in uh, the events from the expansion. Okay, good. And we added in um, the actual uh, personalities for mm -hmm. the invaders. But even then, you can up the difficulty mm -hmm. level of the invaders, mm. which we chose not to do. Yeah, because it's we're good. Maybe not elements. yet. Yeah, but. but Go ahead. Well, what was interesting, well, I'd like to talk about the expansion because yeah. we played a couple times without and then we played recently with the expansion. What did you think about that, Larry? Because it was a bit different I, experience. I loved it. It was a very different experience. I don't know that I would ever play this game without the expansion. 
I'm think. super jelly now because mm. I didn't play. <laughs> yeah, the expansion uh, adds a lot. I think it makes the game easier in some respects. Okay, because I think it, well, it did. I mean, if you play at level one, yeah, probably. yeah, yeah, because it adds these uh, additional tokens that help the spirits. Oh, it adds a event deck which both hurts and helps. It creates more uh, variability in the mm-hmm. game. Um, so you know, there's that, and I think. The additional power cards, fear cards, blight cards that it adds to the game are are really worth having. Even even the additional spirits they add to the game are all worth having. So in order to kind of incorporate all that stuff, I, I will always play with the expansion. What did you think, Matt? Yeah, because you've played both now. I I feel like there's no reason not to play with the expansion. Okay, and that's a little bit of complexity because you have a few different types of tokens you now have to pay attention to. What does the disease token do? The animals, the you know. Forbidden Wild, stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it actually created a lot more depth in terms of how the gameplay works. And like Larry said, the events create variability. And I will say just having more components is nice. So was all of this, when you say this was Kickstarter, was the all of this extra stuff there too, was it one big purchase? Or did the um, expansion come out at a different time? So I did not back this on Kickstarter. Oh really? I okay. got I got this on the. Well, re- I'm sorry. Who who am I speaking to? Because Larry right. wow. backs everything, right? Uh, I saw this game on Kickstarter, and I at the time opted not to back it. Okay, why uh, not? When I saw it on Kickstarter, I wasn't impressed with the campaign. Mm. Um, I didn't feel a lot of confidence in these guys' ability to necessarily deliver. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they did. Yeah. It's a, an amazing game. Um, I think I think it's a hot game. Uh, I think they yeah. they have recently um, reprinted the expansion. It was hard to get for a while. I think they recently reprinted the base game. It was hard to get for a while as well. They had some promos on their their store, which I think are now out of print again. <laughs> um, so I I think that's a testament to these guys have a good game here, um, and I'm I kind of. Uh, Upset at myself at my inability to pick a good winner uh, from Kickstarter here. That it's I hard this to one know on. sometimes. <laughs> you know? It's really hard to know. You know what's an easier method? Just back them all. It's yeah, just back <laughs> everything. <laughs> I, which is what I thought your method was. I thought so, so too. Yeah. Well, you know, this this I think start launched when I was just starting in Kickstarter, so I was a <laughs> little bit learned. more. Mm-hmm. Never pass up any Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, I, I I will say that while I think the gameplay and and everything is fun, because it was I think a Kickstarter, the rule book needs a little bit of work. Mm-hmm. I found the rule book to be a little bit confusing in places and not laid out well. I mm-hmm. think um, I think that's just a, a, a product of inexperience more yeah. than anything. Although there's plenty of experienced publishers who have terrible rule books too. <laughs> well, I just I do find, and I think we maybe pseudo talked about this in other episodes. The fact that, like, what happens is if it's in somebody's head, they think they're explaining it well, mm-hmm. or they haven't quite play tested mm-hmm. it enough where every scenario has come up, and they just write these books that are incomplete. Well, and there's so much, there's a lot going on in this game. Yeah. So like, much. It's a complex game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, even just, you know, a lot of what you're doing is playing these power cards. And, you know, each character starts with some power cards, but then you're unlocking new power cards throughout the game. And there's like, I don't know how many of them, maybe like a hundred different power cards. They all do different things. And there's obviously there's similarities between different ones, but there's like a whole lot going on both to keep track of and also for the rules. So it doesn't surprise me that some stuff is a little bit ambiguous. Nick, what did you think about the balance of the game? I mean, did you feel, because there are so many moving components, it can oftentimes be easy to have the game feel unbalanced. 
Yeah, I, I would say that it feels like a game that I could probably break if I if I played another nine times. Because in the very first game, I like very quickly assembled an engine of like I'm going to do this than that every turn and just continue to get like very powerful effects. To I couldn't do everything, but I could do I could do a heck of a lot. Um, I'd be curious to play with a couple of the other characters and cards to see if I could like actually break it because it feels like it could be. Um, when you say break it, what do you mean? I, like do going some... infinite? No, 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 no. <laughs> not necessarily. Like it's it, you know, I doubt that they did something like that, but maybe. I mean, that'd be fun. But um, some way to push it to a point where this set of cards could be too strong, like. It become, hmm. The game becomes like unchallenging almost at that point. Like if I know see, that I'm I feel like we can't really things. say much when we've only played on the easiest level. I know. So <laughs> like, okay, you break it, but now you, when you, you try it at level nine, have you played a lot of co-op games before? I haven't played a lot of co-op games, but what I, like the thing that I'm looking for is like how how easy was it for me to build an engine? I played one game and I feel like I did it the first game, and I didn't know exactly what I was looking for. I made some suboptimal plays, but I don't and, like, know that that's a get there. I don't know if that's breaking the game. You made an engine, good. You should be able to. I think, that I think is if the you intense, couldn't make yeah. an engine. That would be a problem. Their like, limiters are, I think, per character of like, even mm-hmm. if you quickly cleared off all your presence on your board, you still only can do X, Y, Z. So I mm-hmm. think there, there's that um, I, as a way. In co-op games in general, some of them are not too hard, but I've played some like like Yggdrasil is a good example where oh, yeah. on easy mode, it's like, oh yeah, like we, we got this. But then you look and see what the hard mode is and it's like... How could anybody ever, ever succeed on this mode? Well, uh, I mean, and maybe that's maybe that's the point is that if yeah. you feel like I'm able to do easily powerful things, so that I can beat level six or nine. Yeah, exactly. I think they want you to, to yeah. say like you're ready to go past maybe easy. That is, and maybe that is. I'm, I'm happy. To, the and I'm happy to try past easy next because it was it was a great game, and I would love. The to real play issue over here over. is apparently we should have challenged Nick more um, <laughs> by playing on easy. It was well, too and easy. I didn't get to play at all with the expansion. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Yeah. What what co-op game? do you feel this is similar to i mean i don't feel this is anything most people co-op games they think pandemic this is nothing like pandemic to me right is it is this kind of a unique co-op yeah i I would say so i I can't think of any game that it's similar to i mean obviously there's a lot of games where you're playing cards and getting cards and stuff like that so that element is in a lot of different games but i think the just the way that it's cohesive as a whole everything feels so thematic the way it works you know, even the victory condition to me feels super. It's like, oh, the more fear you, the more fear you cause, the easier it is to yeah. scare the the, the more likely away. they will go away. It's yeah, it, I love it. Is this the kind of game that you would feel comfortable bringing out for a, a new group of gamers, or maybe your spouse who doesn't really no. play games but to be able to play co- uh, cooperatively with not, them? Not a chance. Uh, like, uh. <laughs> I've I've played a lot of games um, of like like similar strategies where you're trying to build an engine or you're trying to assemble the right combinations of cards or just figure out how random things work. And that part was easy. What was tricky was keeping track of everything else yes. that was going mm-hmm. on. There is a lot. Go- like it with- could be a little overwhelming especially to somebody new to gaming i think if they're experienced gamers they can muddle through but since you can't help other players the same way in another cooperative Mm -hmm. game you could like pandemic you can lead somebody through this they have to do some work on their own and that's that could be intimidating to new gamers so if it's not a light game is it medium is it heavy where would you put it honestly i would say it's a heavy game yeah it's like a short heavy game. there's it's not super short it's a couple hours which i guess for a heavy game an hour and a half but it's like i think there's several things that make it very hard for new players to get into Mm -hmm. it um Mm -hmm. one is just all the variety of different power cards 
figuring out what all they do, what all of them do, and then yeah. matching them up with your characters. Yep. The other part that is really complicated is the way the elements work, which it's really fun once you get into it. But basically, every card you play, it has an effect, but then it also has elements on the left side. And each character, depending on which elements they've accumulated in the current turn, they can activate different abilities. But you activating the abilities also doesn't even use up the elements. So if you have multiple abilities that activate with similar elements, you can like activate both of them and mm-hmm. it's there's almost a like lot, magic there's yes. a lot it's like magic but if you don't have to spend mana yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i mean it's a threshold mechanic but the the idea is there um, yeah so there's a lot going on there and also even just with how the cards and the targeting works a lot of cards have different rules for like where can you target with the card which types of lands and what kind of presence you need to have so there's a lot that you have to keep mm-hmm. track of maybe that i think makes it a complex game maybe it's the theme or the art but i don't view this as a a heavy game for me it feels like a medium weight game i i don't because with the brightness of the cover yeah, like what, what do I you don't mean know. it's it it's not I guess when I think of heavy games, I think mm. of like Antiquity or Arkwright, where well, or Virgin like, Queen today, like yeah, commitment, yeah. where it's where it's very heavy <laughs> economic, and I'm moving shits around, and it's you know a fairly dry theme. Well, yeah. Matt used the word complex. I think is that what you just said at the yeah. end yeah. too, which I think might be better than heavy because complex is there's a lot of moving pieces, and it's it's like a machine where you you mm-hmm. know remove one widget and the whole thing falls apart. But I agree with you, Larry. There's something appealing about it, the look of it, that I think could draw in. Like like you were saying, you're playing it on a table, people walking by, and yeah. everybody's asking mm-hmm. about it. Which is not the same as if they're playing like you know some of those like maybe mm-hmm. 18x exactly. games I or something. I think a big part of it, to me at least, and why I wouldn't call it a heavy game, is just that... Um, the game communicates what things are doing very well. Things make sense. Um, just to go back to the ocean guy, the ocean guy gives you a sense of a play pattern of like the ocean going in and coming, uh, coming out and going in, however you would phrase it. Um, things, the, the themes of the games communicate what they do. And that's huge to mm-hmm. me. Because a lot of the times when you're dealing with running a country where you have to manage an economy and an army and your the local politicians, like these things kind of vaguely make sense, but they don't necessarily always m- line up perfectly with the concepts they're trying to embody. They're just trying to be as complex as possible and give you as many choices to you know, succeed or fail as possible. And in this game, everything is going to do essentially what you would expect it to do. The flavor is there. I mean, we've talked in the past about theme. This is the themiest theme of all themes that we've talked about in a way <laughs> because it just feels right. Mm-hmm. I feel like those different spirits. I played a couple different ones and mm-hmm. I always feel special and like I'm, I'm forming my deck, which feels very unique. The colonizers coming and, you know, wanting to push them out and the fear. All of that stuff just feels so right to me. I mean, they just really hit it out of the park for me. So um, pass, like it, love it. Matt, what do you think? I love this game, which is very unusual for a co-op game for me because I, I have sort of a very high bar for co-ops in particular. Uh, but this game does everything that I really love. It's one of the most immersive games I've ever played. Mm-hmm. Everything about who I am and what I'm doing always makes sense and feels very in character. And that's so important to me in a game. Uh, it has simultaneous play. It has... You know, it solves the alpha game a problem with that. So it's just, I love this game and I will play it anytime. How about you, Kevin? Oh my God, I love it. Like, I think they nailed it with this game. So much so that I'm looking forward to purchasing it 
and getting other gamers that aren't playing it playing it. I think they should be playing it, and I would, I would be really happy to be that person to invite them in to play this. And how about you, Nick? Love it. I want to get my friends that I play Terraforming Mars with to try and beat the <laughs> highest levels and break the game. I want to see just like how strong can we make our spirits. I would love to hear like you report back on we, that. Yeah, we I will really keep be you posted. Twitch it. Uh, Twitch it. Yeah. Um, if Nick manages to beat the highest level, we will let you know. Uh, for me, I, I absolutely love it as well. I think this is a unanimous uh, love it. Add it mm-hmm. to your collection. Go out right now and get it. I, I, I'm, I, I just in love with this game i i could play it all the time i think um it's a i'm excited to see what greater than games uh comes out with next yeah. and i'm excited to see how they continue to expand and build this i i i like this universe even i i don't know there's just there, this this game hits so many different spots for me you know absolutely love it so let's um i think bring this topic to a close check this item off of our agenda <laughs> And I don't know what the check sound sounds like. Yeah. I don't know. That yeah. sounds like a cash register. Yeah. Ah, well, you write a check, but... Uh, oh, that's kind of cute. I like that <laughs> that's a good pun. Did everybody bring their uh, cookies and snacks? Because I've got some tea for y'all. Oh, we played Rising go. Sun again. No, not that kind oh. of tea. <laughs> so What is going on? Board game gossip alert. Here we go. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but... Uh, I don't know how to pronounce their name. Leader Games, Letter Games. They're the guys who published Vast. They're relatively oh, Vast. Yeah. Okay. They're yeah. a relatively new uh, publisher in the board gaming world. They did a Kickstarter for Vast. It went really, really well. I backed it. <laughs> Except for delivery. Didn't I, they have issues with delivery? They did have issues with delivery. Mm. <laughs> Meaning like they were delivering the wrong things to people or they, too much? They, or they, they delivered were multiple copies, copies to people. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a good problem yeah, for the people getting them, I guess. Right? Uh, so... I backed it. I was very happy with the game. They recently put out a new Kickstarter for a game called Root. Um, and Leader Games is kind did, of... Did you say Root, R-O-O-T? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like V-A-S-T. Now it's R-O-O-T. They have a thing... Oh, does it mean something? They're, they're, they're branding themselves with their game titles are all four-letter words. Oh, okay. And all their games play um, Ace synchronous play so mm. matt's win condition for the game is totally different than yours right. which is different than mine which i liked a lot in vast that was fun but we mm-hmm. both have to kind of work together yep. to keep matt from winning i think it's a it's a one it's very difficult to do mm-hmm. but it's really really rewarding and fun to play sure. when they're able to kind of build a good game root uh does those same same sort of things in this kind of fantasy kingdom they were working with a guy uh, by the name of Sam Bailey, Samuel Bailey, who is a well-known, well-respected designer in uh, the board game he world. He worked for Fantasy Flight yeah. and oh, okay. a bunch of other stuff. He so. did, I think, like Forbidden Stars. He worked so he's been Amazon. at this for a little while. He's, 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 he's a well-known designer. Um, and he was working on a game that was, it sounds like, commissioned by Leader Games called uh, Deep. Again, four-letter word. Mm-hmm. Also asynchronous uh, in space. Personally, I think Vast and Deep should have been swapped. Deep should have been the cave game, and, and Vast should have been the space game. But okay. that actually makes a yeah. lot of sense. Yeah, but you could have Deep Space and a Vast Cavern. Yes, yes, I think that's the idea. Which is they were the way they're going, for, I guess. But, um, anyway, uh, so they uh, commissioned this guy to start designing this game for them, and then this is where the gossip starts to happen, guys. So apparently, uh, the Kickstarter release for Deep, the one that Sam was working on kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed. Mm-hmm. Like it never started? or Never started. Never even started. Never started. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kept kind of, the design process kept taking longer and longer than they stood, than, than it should have. 
Um, and eventually they had, it was supposed to be the second in line, but because of the problems that it had, they had to push it and then Root came in and kind oh, of took okay. that spot. Mm-hmm. And so this was going to be the third. Well, I would say earlier this week or maybe early last week, um, Leader Games put a post up on BGG saying, you know, we're not able to get this game to the place that we want it to be. So we're severing our ties with Sam. Um, we're keeping uh, the rights to the art, to the name and to the themes, but all the mechanics and stuff revert back to him because he was the designer. Sam, though, responded to that very on, on BGG oh, okay. uh-huh. with kind of a very aggressive post accusing them of saying they stole so his it project. It was not a joint PR release then originally. No. So he posted like, you know, that they were um, not honest, not fair to work with, mm-hmm. were stealing his art. That root, which got put onto Kickstarter was basically deep stolen and kind of repurposed. Ooh, oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. That was the big claim that they were question. kind of acting in bad faith and kind of abusing Yikes. power. And he wanted to kind of let everybody in the community know that this was happening. So that way designers who work with them in the future don't have these same kind of So problems. he was trying to burn their, you know, bridges with people. Okay. He was trying to burn their bridges. Um, and he was doing this on BGG and then it, it spilled out even over into Reddit. So this was all a very kind of public a, a, a dis- discussion. So I want to talk about this a little bit because one, it's gossip. I love gossip. Two, it's interesting. It's not often I think that we mm-hmm. kind of have the curtain on the board game industry kind of pulled back. Yeah. Right. So you, Matt, you're kind of our resident expert. You've published two games. You're very familiar with the industry. I wanted to start with you by asking, is this kind of breakup and the way that they kind of split the the community of property, as it were, where the publisher kind of keeps the artwork, keeps the name title, it keeps you know some of the theme ideas, but the designer keeps the mechanics. Is that normal? Is that the way these things normally work? Or would the designer have the right to the images and all that stuff the way that, that Sam is claiming? I mean, so typically in this industry, uh, designers create game mechanics um, and they own a game in the sense of what the game it does, right? And then the, the way it usually works is a, a designer designs a game, sells the more or less finished or soon to be finished game design to a publisher. Then the publisher themes, you know, creates the art and the story and the box and everything like does that. Does marketing and maybe marketing, puts together the Kickstarter all, all of, for them. All the other stuff for that, right? And so that's sort of the typical method. Uh, in the industry, the other thing that some companies do is they will hire designers to create games for them. And that's what um, Letter Games did in this case with Sam is they hired him on, com- basically contracted him to make this game. Uh, and which it's a little bit different then because the game isn't there when they're ma- when they're signing the contract. So it's not a simple like purchasing of a design idea. So in the legal world, there's this thing called work for hire. Is this... Are you referring to kind of like a work for hire situation or it's is it something like that? But what's interesting is that the way that the way at least that he was set up to be paid in the contract is still the same way, which is a designer typically gets a um, advance on the royalties that they're going to earn from the game. And so they get paid their advance up front. And then that when the game does come out and start selling their royalty from the game is sort of like deduct, you know, the advance is then deducted from the royalties. So, so yeah, I guess then to Larry's point is, have, first off, has people have people seen this contract? Yes. Well, that's the interesting thing as yeah, well. That so gets complicated. On, on Reddit, uh, Sam posted what he's claiming is the contract, as oh well gosh. as some level letters from 
Letter Games's lawyers. He posted all this stuff to Reddit? Yes. Yes. This got out of hand real quick, didn't it? (laughs) The contract is unsigned, so it's unclear whether it actually was the right contract. But having said that... It's not unusual for him to have an unsigned version. And then they sent him the, the countersign. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although you should always keep a copy of what you a signed. signed contract that you've signed. Now, um, as a lawyer, I've read this contract. I can't give anybody legal advice, and I'm not going to. But I will say this contract clearly was not reviewed by a lawyer. It's, <laughs> oh, my God. It's very vague, and it's very poorly written. Also so, standard practice for the industry. Well, that was well, the other thing I was going to add. That's a key point. I mean, I, you know, I also had a lot of experience in the comic industry, which is you know, a small industry the same way. And to your point, Larry, there are work-for-hire contracts where the artist or writer understands at that time I'm giving away everything here. I'm getting a flat fee, mm-hmm. and I don't get a royalty. I don't get any of this other stuff. Once you get into royalties and all, that's a different contract, yeah. and that one's very specific about the ownership and what the level of ownership should be. But this contract doesn't sound like it was clear. It's, it's not. It's clearly not a work for hire looking at the contract. Okay. What the contract says is that, based, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically that the rights that the parties had before the contract will revert back to them afterwards. And I think what Sam is claiming is, is, is that actually what it's saying is that all rights related to the project revert back to him. So he believes he's entitled to the art and the, the name and the theme. Whereas Letter Games is saying, no, 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 we're just going back to where we were prior to us entering into this contract. Mm-hmm. So we paid for the art. We commissioned it. You didn't create it. We own it. That's that's just not changing. Be- that seems to be kind of their fundamental dispute. Ah, okay. So that's where the, the argument is. And yeah, and that's where it gets complicated too, is that they didn't actually sign this contract until partway through when Sam was working on it. So Sam had already been designing this game and they had sort of like talked about it, right? He'd been designing it under the name Star Citizen, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Something like that. Or Star Empire Citizen or something, something like, like that. So here's the public service announcement for everybody out there. Never do creative work without a contract first. I see that happen all the time. People say, well, we had an email and we had a discussion. This is where you're, you start working on something without a clear framework for what, where, who owns what. That's where the big problem comes. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you may think, oh, we're friends. We'll just figure it out. Even if you're friends, it's important to have something in writing like that. And they were friends. They were. They were friends prior to this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That, and that's, it's, it's gotten really ugly. Um, by bringing this into kind of the public light. Now, for folks who aren't familiar with BGG, Board Game Geek, uh, they have what are called designer diaries on them. And they're these things that designers can go on and kind of write about the Mm -hmm. development of their game. In connection with Sam's kind of claim that Root is basically stealing all Mm -hmm. of his designs, he's pointing to his designer diaries to kind of say, yeah. everything that's going on in Root, I already kind of did here. Root, though, the designer of Root, and I forget the guy's name now. Um, Cole. Cole. Cole something, thank this you. This poor guy got poured, pulled into the whole... Oh, no, so there's another debacle. designer who worked on the other yeah, game. Yeah. Oh, this he was, he was hired to kind of help Sam to kind of fix this, and I guess they didn't quite get along very well. They were having so, issues. So then Cole went and did Root separately? Cole did Root separately. Well, with Sam, Letter Games. With Letter Games. Yeah, but Sam didn't necessarily work on Root. Sam I'm did not work there. on oh. Root. Okay. And so Sam is claiming that Root stole his ideas mm-hmm. from when he collaborated on, when Cole collaborated on uh, Deep. Deep. 
But Cole now is pointing to his designer diaries to kind of say, mm-hmm. no, these were all independent ideas. This is where it came from. This is how I kind of came up with the design process. It's interesting to me to see these designer diaries and to see them being used in this way because this is not something you see in other industries. Like Pepsi <laughs> right. doesn't write up, here's how we came up with the secret formula for Pepsi. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, you don't use designer diaries though when you're uh, in your development. I haven't used designer diaries. Uh, you know, I usually I keep my people up to date through Kickstarter since that's how I do my games. But uh, I think it's what's there's sort of like two separate issues. To this, um, to this whole kerfuffle, uh, there's the issue of what does the contract say? What rights does Sam have to the game? Right? How much of it does he have rights only to the mechanics or to these other things? But then the second issue is sort of more of like a moral thing, mm-hmm. and that's like, is Root a copy of of this game that Sam designed? And, uh, and from a legal perspective, mechanics are not owned by anyone nope. yeah mm-hmm. it, I, I right. could i could literally have a game that's like sorry and i can call it oops and just yeah. kind of put my own art and it, the rules you know the mechanics i should say could be exactly the same and that's fine words with friends anybody like yep. <laughs> yeah there's a lot it's of travel, examples right? of it so we should, we should know there are a couple exceptions to that. there are some exceptions I, like i can't copy a rule book word for word if it's kind of if it's right. put into a written medium that's something that but can the be concepts totally. concepts you, mechanics. Know, you see it in game design all the time you know dominion comes out the deck building game you know, within five years, there's oh, there's stuck building games, games all over the place. You know, the only re- the only reason I add the caveat is Magic does have a patent on tapping cards. And they had they had they it can't they tapping cards. It, it has expired now. Yeah. Oh, well, I and, didn't know that. Uh, and okay. there was a dispute as to whether that was even a valid patent. It's never been challenged. But other huh. and and even then, they didn't own the mechanic of tapping. They just owned the, the, the phrase. The phrase. Tapping. So all these other yeah, games exactly. would call it exhausting. Or and that's exactly what it was. And all the deck building games after that, there was. They just couldn't use. call it tapping. Right? There, there's um, lots of name copyright stuff, which is a whole different kind of story. <laughs> the idea that anyone could own the concept of turning a card sideways <laughs> is so beyond hey, me. Companies <laughs> will try anything. That is true. <laughs> but, but going back to your point about the moral issue, I mean, Nick, seeing this kind of dirty laundry aired on BGG, what, what was your reaction to that? What, did you, what do you think about this whole thing? I thought it was nonsense. I mean, why are we talking about this on an internet forum from, that looks like it's from 2002? <laughs> you know, like, why, how is that the appropriate place to, to air this out? How is Reddit an appropriate place to be putting up your contract? Mm-hmm. So what, like, was, what, what was Sam trying to do? What was he trying to accomplish by that, do you think? It, I, I don't really understand. Like, just as somebody who isn't in the industry, is not a lawyer, um, does have some experience with, I guess, projects falling through. I mean, like, one, why are you burning this bridge? Like, you have the rights to all mm-hmm. the mechanics. You, are, uh, The industry practice sounds to me, and it makes sense, is that the publisher makes all this art, they commission, they pay for it, they they might want to use it again in the right. future. That seems pretty standard from what from what I know. Um, you have a game, which in, in the thread, I went, I read all of it because I had nothing apparently to do. Um, <laughs> you know, somebody like straight up asks, like, so what's stopping you from taking Star Citizen, which was your original game that you proposed at some point, it wasn't really clear, and just taking it to another company to do um, essentially kind of the same thing that they're doing to you, which is make this game, right? Um, he just never responds to that. I, I, don't, I, I really wonder why he is 
choosing to put this out there like that it, it seems like it can only be bad for him well i think i think this cuts to the real issue the that root Sam has. of the issue the root oh. oh god uh and i think it's that sam sam having now worked on his game design for so long with the understanding that it's going to be the game deep and with seeing all the art and the story that the publisher has commissioned i feel like he is now attached to that and so he feels like not only that the game mechanics are his but sort of he feels this attachment to the actual story and narrative well and just one quick note art is expensive yes and so if he thinks there is a way he could probably get a bunch of artwork free and not have to go to another publisher and ask them to pay that that's a big step forward in any kind of development yeah but by the same point art is expensive if you steal that essentially not i don't want to say steal because i'm not gonna yeah if you somehow retain all the rights to the without having this publisher paid for i wonder if you're going to be able to get another contract i mean frankly would would you having now seen this dispute and the kind of the way it got resolved the way it's being handled by both sides matt are, are these people who you would want to work with again would you have reservations about working with them again in the industry like what does this do to their reputations i mean i think sam's done himself a disservice with the way that he aired this out in a public forum because it shows to any publisher who would potentially work with him that this is a guy who, if things turn south, that he's going to start burning everything down. Uh, you know, And that's something, that's a risk that now any publisher who works with him has to take mm-hmm. on. You know, But um, at the same time, looking at how Letter Games has handled it, uh, clearly this was a project that was really personal that Sam cared a lot about. And Root, while... Not, you know, it has similar mechanics, but it seems clearly like it's a different game. Obviously, like this idea of like, hey, Sam, we're going to make a game with you. Radio silence. Oh, by the way, we're making this other game that's similar with this other person instead. Like that has to hurt. And I feel like, I don't know. I don't know what happened behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but it's a relationship that, problem. I there. think that there was a relationship problem there. Um, reading the letter that they sent to him, it was it was very like. We, you know, we saw you reference something in a forum about how maybe you'd be publishing Deep. We just wanted to remind you, you don't own any of the story or the name of Deep or any of the characters or anything like that. It seemed a little uh, harsh to me. There is a professionalism problem in both ends. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, but I mean, it's weird because I think they're legally obligated to remind him. And Probably. I think they, they, yeah. they were required to have a lawyer send him a letter saying, just a reminder, don't mm-hmm. do this. Well, where was that lawyer when they had to write a contract? <laughs> That's where I go back to the, like, yes. this core thing. On both sides. Both sides. Sam is foolish for agreeing to do work without a contract and not... I mean, when you are a freelancer, you have got to have your business sense as well as your creative sense going. And you've got to make sure you look at things, review contracts, don't do any of that kind of work. They are a publisher. I know they've only done one game, but come on, you've already done one game. You should have your act together and have proper contracts. Well, that's an interesting... Sorry, so Nick, I, to cut I, you off. I was just going to add one thing, though, is just that like the person who brought this up was Sam. Um mm-hmm. I'm not going to claim that every company or every designer or every person always acts in a perfect way that's totally professional. I mean, things happen behind the scenes in every industry that, you know, you don't want to see, now we see how the sausage is made, right? Um, Sam is the one who brought this up, and I think that his foundation is shaky at best. You're claiming that you mm-hmm. stole the concept and mechanics for a game for a different game that's in the same genre as the first game you published. What's what's it called? Um, Vast. Uh, the first game was Vast, Vast. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vast 
also uses a lot of these concepts. Right. And they, they asked Sam to make a game that was similar to Vast. And then they're making another game that's similar to Vast called Brute. Brute. And I have so much trouble keeping these four-letter words separate <laughs> from each other for which one. At, at the end of the day, it seems a little bit disingenuous to say, like, oh, this is totally my work, when fundamentally he was asked to create something really mm-hmm. similar to their first game. So for me, I what causes my lawyer kind of sense to tingle here, <laughs> Sam has kind of tried to portray himself as being kind of the small guy taken advantage of who's by the big attacked, publisher who's been attacked. The victim, yeah. Let's be clear. He's not a small guy in this industry. He's he's worked on a ton of games. He's had a lot of stuff published. He knows how things go. Letter Games has only had one game published. Mm-hmm. They're not a big player in the industry. What I personally feel that Sam's trying to do by bringing this into a public forum is to really kind of tar and feather them. He's trying oh, yeah. to he's trying mm-hmm. to destroy their reputation. Oh, you only do that on social media unless well, you want to put it in the court of public somebody, opinion. That, right? and, and he's trying to play on his reputation as someone who's been in the industry for a long time to really damage them who, who are just getting started in this industry. And I, I, I don't know, that... that on a lot of different levels, that just bothers well, me. Well, there was a there was a comment or a, a couple comments. I, I don't remember if it was on Reddit or on BGG, where someone was basically like, "Well, what you know? Why are you post? Like, why are you talking about this now?" And his response is like, "Oh, I want to make sure that no that everybody knows that this company did a bad thing and that you should be careful about working with this company." And I mean, someone at some point is like, uh, "Hey, you should be careful, man. You might be." defamation and it's like and he's like oh no no no, that's not my goal but at the end of the day the more he keeps talking about it the more people ask him like why he's here more and more it seems clear that like the reason he is in this public forum is to defame to talk bad about better games that's how it looks i mean we can't say what his motive is we don't know what his motive is is there any past experiences that we know about sam with other publishers or other games i don't know i've not looked into it. he worked with fantasy flight for like I think it was like three years or something. But nothing more public like this. There's not never been I'm, any outbursts. Not that I'm aware of any problems before. So okay. I, I think folks should always be concerned about airing dirty laundry in public forums because mm-hmm. while there's a cathartic release to it, it, you do make your target smell bad. But you know what? You still got the shit on your hands, and so yep. you're gonna smell bad too. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't, I think, ever accomplish what you hope it will accomplish, other than that emotional release. And I think in the, in the long run, it's just it's not worth it. It's not worth it. You can, you can end up making statements that ultimately can be used against you in a lot of ways as well. Well, the only thing I hope is that Letter Games like works out the fact that they need to have their... like This should be a learning um, experience for them where they, they understand they need to be buttoned up. Mm-hmm. And friendships in a small industry may seem to make sense, but it's still... If you're doing mm-hmm. a project, do it professionally. All right. Well... I think I've run out of tea. Have you guys finished eating up all your cookies, all your cakes? If so, let's... uh, I could use some cake right now. I'm hungry. Yeah. (laughs) Let's bring this segment to a close. So we can eat. We can eat. Actually, guys, um, this brings us to our secret, super secret, hidden mini segment section. Ooh. Our board game giveaway. Ooh. Well, it's not quite a board game. It's a Steam board game. Yeah, I was going to say. I didn't know. (laughs) It's a Steam code giveaway. So as folks might remember, on our last episode, we brought uh, Race for the Galaxy out of the closet. Well, uh, we talked a little bit about the... um, uh, uh, app. App, app, app 
Oh, yeah. uh, and kind of how amazing, how awesome it was. Mm-hmm. And we now have a Steam code for that app to give away to our listeners. How did you get a code? The the um, designers of the, the app um, were very, very kind and, and that is offered it for That is extremely gracious they of were them. Incredibly gracious. And, and to be clear, offered it after they heard our segment, not the other way around. Correct. <laughs> that we, is an important. We talked about the game of there. our own volition, and then they were like, hey, thanks for talking about that. Yes. If you want, here's some codes to give away. Yes. Not the other way around. Yes, and that is important. Uh, you know, no, nothing that we've talked about thus far, we've gotten any sort of compensation for or any sort no, of poor Larry has had to pay for all these games we uh, play. Yes, <laughs> it is what it is. But more importantly, we want to get a Steam code to you so that way you guys can experience uh, how awesome this app is as well. So here's what we're going to do for the uh, next two weeks. This uh, uh, the giveaway will be open. All you have to do is go on to Board Game Geek. And go to the uh, podcast forum, find the Board Game Geek posting that posts this episode up, and leave a comment letting us know what game you think we next should bring out of the closet. From the list of the, the people who, who uh, uh, post a comment, we will select one at random, and we will message you privately through Board Game Geek and send you a copy of this, or send you the Steam code for you to enjoy all on your own. Ooh. And I'm still not eligible, did you say? No, if, if, if the person gives us um, a really fun and interesting code or a, a, a game, we might also consider sending Kevin to you as well. If they're based in New York. <laughs> With their same code. Now, are there any other ways for me to get extra entries? Wonderful question, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, look at you. Funny that you should ask that. I think that if anybody else was interested, maybe they don't use Board Game Geek, or maybe they just want more ways to win, we might have a few other codes that magically fell out of the sky from this developer um, to give away on our other social media platforms. And what other social media platforms might those be, Nick? Well, I would say you should probably follow us on Facebook at the Board Game Geek, on Twitter at the... Um, I'm sorry, not the at Board the Game, Game Agenda. At the Game Agenda. <laughs> I've got Board Game Geek on my mind now. At the Game Agenda on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. Yes. Uh, three different ways in which uh, you uh, may be eligible to, to get a copy of this code. Uh, stay tuned on each of those uh, social media platforms to get details as to how yep. you can enter. So and we will be post. We'll be posting this contest on those on, on yes. each of those platforms with details on how to enter for each of them yes. on and, that platform. And each one is separate. You can enter each contest yep. via a different platform. You guys, it's the game agenda's first giveaway. How exciting Woo! is this? Give it away. Yes, I always want to give it away, but now I have a reason to actually <laughs> do so. <laughs> So um, I think uh, with that wonderful bit of news, that brings everything here to a close. So until next time, I'm Larry. I'm Nick. I'm Matt. And I'm Kevin. Bye.